Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing Eastern and Western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you for joining us. As always, on every podcast, and um, your support is amazing. Your love is amazing. And uh, this show, I'm really... Um, well, I'm always excited, but this is really exciting. I have him in the uh, studio with me, two superstars, David McClymont, uh, CEO of Palm Beach Symphony, and Brian Shamus, sommelier, wine proxy, Cafe Chardonnay. Thank you for joining us. And um, you guys are, you know, just, just experts in your own field. Um, you're, you're also, uh, Brian, we go way back, many a game night, many of uh, tastings. <laughs> lots and lots of wine. Yeah, yep. And, uh, and then Mr. McClyman, we've, we've met fairly recently, but not that recently. It's been a year, over a year. Mm-hmm. And um, you've been, you know, doing your thing with Palm Beach Symphony. And, um, and it's just amazing what you've done to put, Palm Beach and music and symphony music on the map um, globally, really. Uh, it's, it's, we're a destination uh, in part thanks to you. So that being said, I wanted to do this show uh, that would put together these specialties, and I call it Notes and Notes. Um, notes of wine, notes of music. Um, one of the things we were talking about prior to coming on the air today uh, was really just to look at, it's all food, right? So wine, um, the things we taste, the things we consume through our mouth, the things we consume through our ears, obviously our eyes, all of it is really um, food for our soul, for our body, for life. And I consider music and wine two very important parts of that. And I feel sorry for people that don't consume those two things, but I'm sure they consume other things that are equally as wonderful. Um, so that being said, let's start off with you, David, just a little bit of background and uh, not only your background, but the development of your passion for the consumption of music and the sharing of it. Well, first of all, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be here, and I'm happy mm-hmm. to be back. Mm-hmm. Palm Beach Symphony celebrating its 48th anniversary season, wow. mm-hmm. providing world-class music to the Palm Beaches. It's really been within the last eight years that we've made an impact in the community. And you and I had talked previously about there being 1.5 million people who yeah. live in Palm Beach County. And to your point about notes and notes mm-hmm. and people wanting to consume both wine and music, there's huge opportunity. We have grown exponentially in the last six or seven years to those 1.5 million people. We're now very happy to be at the Kravis Center for all five concerts. We've educated up to 56,000 now, 56,000 Palm Beach County students through our education programs. Mm. And wow. we're gonna be hosting on May 21st another free waterfront concert at the Maya Amphitheater. So if you look at the three pillars of our mission to engage, educate, and entertain, all three of those pillars have been operating at a very, very high level, which is due to our great support from our board. We have an incredible donor base, excellent staff, and it's been exciting to see the community actually now get involved to help support the mission. Good, very nice. I mean, the education uh, element is so needed because without it we don't you know where do we go right where does the next generations the coming generations go 
Well, one of the things that we did seven years ago is we looked at our mission. Mm -hmm. And I feel that anytime you work within a nonprofit, you have to look at the mission and ask two questions. Yeah. One, is the mission relevant? Because things change, mm -hmm. things evolve. And then two, are you living up to that mission? Right. And when we looked at the mission and it said to engage, educate, and entertain, right. we did an analysis of what we were doing educationally and the answer was zero. Right. We weren't doing anything. Right. We weren't donating any instruments. Mm. We weren't hosting any children's concerts. And to your point, it's critical for us to sustain this art form for many generations to come for us to reach back out to the children right. and the students within the community. So now, today, we've donated 400 instruments to Palm Beach County students. We have a new Taylor Scholarship competition where we award, thanks to the generosity of one of our board members, Felicia Taylor, $25,000 mm. to three students that are wanting to matriculate. We hosted our gala on Monday night. We had about 375 people come to the Breakers and had our Lisa Bruna B Major Award winner perform, which is where we give high-level instruments to Palm Beach County students that want to matriculate into different universities. So you're spot on. You know, for us to continue to sustain this art form, we have yeah. to be able to get to the younger generation so that we can make an impact and inspire them to want to participate with yeah. the art form in any level. Yeah, I'm, I'm 47, so my exposure uh, to, to early stages of music wouldn't have happened without donated instruments, which I don't think happens that often anymore. There was a big, you know, spot or, or, or just a black hole of it stopping in schools. But when I went, you know, to school in New York and elementary and what have you, my first exposure was to a donated, dented uh, trombone. And I polished it every night yeah. just to try to get the color um, because it was so special for me to have this experience and to have this opportunity to play a trombone. I mean, what the heck, you know, Queen's kid, uh, Flushing Queen's kid. So uh, fast forward, you know, I hope, I, I really do hope that people listening and um, and other communities are doing this, taking this example and doing this because it's life-changing. You know, music crosses uh, barriers. My, my exposure to... Um, you know, Pachelbel Cannon's Overture in D, the, which used to be the GE commercial song, um, and then eventually to the movie Amadeus, and you know, things like that, that, that broadened my scope of being through broadening my scope of music awareness and, and, and social and class, um, and class uh, awareness. You know, so um, I'm glad that you brought up, if I can just mention, yeah. you talking about changing and impacting the lives of students. We kicked off the Lisa Bruna B Major Award two and a half years ago, mm -hmm. and it's basically where we award high-level instruments to Palm Beach County students. Right. They go through an audition process. And Valentina Pellucci was a student that was at Dreyfus School of the Arts. Right. She was a senior. She was playing on a rented, to your point, violin. Right. She auditioned. She wins. Mm -hmm. We gift her a $10,000 violin. She goes on auditions to six universities and conservatories throughout the United States of America. Juilliard, Curtis, Peabody, All New the Conservatory, ones, yeah. Yeah. University of Miami. Yeah. Take a while, guess how many she got into? <laughs> All of them. Every single one of them. <laughs> so it's to your point about yeah, being able yeah. to give a student the tools to go on and be yeah. successful in whatever that passion is, and it's yeah. something we're really excited about. Life-changing. It is. Um, so, and then as an adult, you know, equally so. Uh, I remember my first wine tasting, like it was yesterday, uh, with a, uh, with some attorneys that I had met and that mentored me as a young professional in the medical area. Um, or you know, I, I I thought sitting with these people at a sort of what it was like a medical conference um, and and sipping on wine was just really special. And but it not only was a special uh, introduction but it started something 
in me to explore the because when you do a wine tasting you learn about where it comes from so that then tells you there's other places in the world then you learn about the process and it tells you about science and and chemistry and passion and then you learn how to consume it which tells you to pause and to search search your palates develop yourself develop your mind it opens up new places just like music does so brian tell us a little about your passion and the origins of your getting into wine is from a sommelier's perspective sure i mean all those things i mean wine wine is not just about you know the beverage that's in front of you it's about conversation um it's about thinking um there, there was a. Uh, I was thinking about this on the way here today. I was thinking about a conversation that you had with my wife Tish, um, who's also a sommelier. She's. Um, you guys were talking about the consumption of 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 those things as well, art, mm-hmm. music, cuisine, and you have. Uh, you're also a very talented um, artist as well. Thank you. And you have some paintings that are um, some artwork in our in our shop in Tequesta, uh, and Tish was asking you, you know, how you enjoyed you know, your artwork. And you said, well, I enjoy it by drinking this wine, you know, listening to this music mm-hmm. and enjoying this food while I enjoy my art. Mm-hmm. And so it's, to me, it's just all so closely related. It's all, you yeah. know, kind of one thing. They all kind of work together. So, yeah, I mean, wine is, is great for me because I get a chance to speak about it. It does bring me to different areas of the world, um, memories, places I'd like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Sure, wine is... And it has physically brought you to those places through your experience and through your profession. Yeah, I mean... How long long ago did you start uh, Um, your profession? In 1999, I became the sommelier at a restaurant called Cafe Chardonnay on PGA Boulevard. Wow, so you've been there a while? Yeah, I've been there for a little bit. Yeah. Taking care of a lot of people, yeah, seeing yeah. a lot Meet of things. Meet a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the wine definitely joins us just as music does. Yeah, it certainly does. Tell us about your, you know, I'll start with you in that comparison because um, we're touching on it already. But explain to us how to search for the notes of wine, and 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 would you say there are a certain number? Would you say there are infinite? Would you say it's ex- ever expanding? Uh, yeah, sure, all of the above. I mean, for me. When I think about, um, uh, you know, it's funny. My wife and I have this conversation about about music a lot. So, um, we our, our clients want to ask when they want to know, you know, what are the flavors they're tasting in wines, and we kind of compare them to a lot of things. But music is one of those things that we use as well. You know, uh, we were talking about this this morning as well. It's like, um, you know, when you think about listening to Jimi Hendrix and you got all those kind of high tone, you know, uh, guitar things, and you think about what you would drink with that. And you, you know, my wife was like, oh, I love these really kind of, you know, high acid Rieslings that are just like really high in tension and all those things. And so we use a lot of uh, wine terms to uh, to describe, you know, what we're drinking or, you know, um, one of the wines that we'll be featuring for an event um, at the Palm Beach Symphony is Arietta and they make this really um, incredible Syrah, you know, deep and dark and rich and, you know, um, you, know you can think about those kind of like, uh, you know, uh, mysterious kind of, you know, Music that you would listen, or you know, that you would listen to while you're enjoying that, and stuff mm-hmm. like you know, uh, you know, Moonlight Sonata from Beethoven. You know, it's yeah. deep and mysterious and dark, and so yeah, I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of those things are. Uh, so w- when you look at tasting wine, and then listening to music, those notes can either can also be classified as layers. Yes, Mr. McClyman. Absolutely, I was just thinking the same thing. You stole the words right from my mouth. <laughs> well, if you think about music, you think about 
any different type of genre of music, right? There are so many different layers to your point about Jimi Hendrix. And I really love what you said too about pairing the wines. I never thought of this, but it's brilliant of pairing the wines with the music because there's a lot of similarity and a lot of crossover in terms of the emotion mm -hmm. that the pieces evoke, what yeah. the composer's mind was, his state of mind was at that time yeah. when he wrote the piece, where he was in history, what was happening politically. And there's a lot of carryover and similarity to that in terms of the layers of the music. If you could just give us an example of your favorite, one of your favorite, I'm sure you have many because you listen to music all the time. You listen to some of the best music in the world. But what would be one of your, one or two or three of your top favorite pieces mm. and then one or two or three of your favorite wines? Mm. And then we'll ask Brian to compare those wines to your favorite pieces. Very interesting. Yeah. So I think in terms of music, one of the ones that moves me is Beethoven 9. Okay. And it's a very big program with a very big choir uh, during a great time of year. Yeah. It's a very emotional piece with many different layers. So it's actually dimensional, too, because you have not only the big orchestra arrangement, but you also have the big choral arrangement. I don't know in terms of pairing it with wine. That's a very fascinating statement. Would you say it's a pretty powerful piece? It's a very powerful piece. Sure. Yeah. So when we think about, you know, it's funny how we think about food and wine, or you know, we think about matching power with power or contrasting characteristics. So maybe match that with some kind of powerful, you know, red wine or powerful white wine or something in, in that category. Now, what is your favorite? What would be one of your top favorite wines? Do you do you have any particular? There's a couple that I like. Uh, I'm a bit of a fan of. Uh, Chalk Hill. I mean, you know, some of the standard names that I think mm -hmm. sure. many yeah, people know. That's Sonoma Cotrer. It makes a def decent Chardonnay. Okay. I think. Yeah. Uh, Farniente. I like the Farniente, the reds yeah. for, sure. for them. And those uh, are all great wines. They've been around for a long time. A lot of now, let's talk about winners. Chalk Hill since that was the first one that came to mind. Red? Yeah, so Napa? Chalk Hill. They're in the Russian River Valley in mm -hmm. Sonoma County. Sonoma. Okay. Yeah. That's so they make Chardonnays and Pinots. They do make Cabernet as well. Okay. Yeah, so. And so, so their cabs are probably big. Yeah, they're pretty powerful. They're yeah, Russian from River. Sonoma. Yeah. So the Russian River is their Chardonnays and Pinots, and they do make some cabs from um, Alexander Valley. It's okay. a little rounder and juicier. It's like yeah. Napa Valley would have all that edgy tannin or that power you get in the back of your, in the back of your palate, like mm -hmm. having like really strong tea. Yeah. When you move to like mm -hmm. Sonoma County, where the Russian River Valley is, and, Sonoma, and Alexander yeah. Valley, they tend to be a little bit more lush and plushy. And I feel like it drinking. fills the palate. Yeah, I tend certainly. to gravitate towards Sonoma. Even when I go there, I don't really go to Napa too much. But the Sonoma wines for me are, are where it's at. Yeah, uh, they really it. fill uh, my palate. And and what I, what I do when someone says, what are you looking for? Most of the time, one of the words that come out of my mouth is I'd like something with good conversation. And that's, I don't know. Sometimes they look at me. Sometimes they get it, yeah. and sometimes they don't. Like who who orders wine like that? But to me, that's music. Because if you can close your eyes and you can listen to Beethoven Nine, I mean, how many layers are there? How, mm -hmm. how many? When you, do you do you know off the top of your head how many? You know how many? What are you listening to at that point? Right. How that's many? A great, great how many point. instruments? You know, and that's where the Palm Beach Symphony comes in. Is you expose people and you show people these instruments playing this music so you, they can understand and probably have an inkling of an idea what it took to create it and continue making these this these songs that were written for whatever these pieces that were written for what hundreds of years now mm -hmm. like it's new. very fascinating when like you discuss new. it that way because if you think about music the music is orchestrated is yeah. it not yeah and now that we're talking about this it makes me realize that the wine yeah. is orchestrated yes you yeah. know i visited france i guess about three years ago prior to covid 
and have the opportunity to go through the Bordeaux region and the Centimillion region and Great. it was so fascinating to learn how they orchestrate wine. Yeah. Sure. And I obviously there. don't have the experience that you have, uh, Brian, with wine, but for me it was very interesting to see. And now that you're talking about yeah. it, Doc, it is very interesting to see that there's orchestration between the two. I mean, yeah, Just as you're creating a piece, you're creating the wine. Well, right absolutely. The wine. Yeah. yeah, Vintner is. For sure. And, and so that process, you know, you've seen that, Brian. You've gone to these places. You, you, I think that's what keeps you interested and so passionate is because you get to hang out with these guys. As they're making this and choosing the grapes, you you learn the terrain, you learn the soil, that the the how they you know these vines are transported and planted over time, and you know vice versa. Because you get to see here in the U.S. what we've taken from old world, as they're called, mm -hmm. and we could talk about that a little bit too. Let's talk about a little bit about old world symphony versus new world, old world wines versus new world. Yeah, for, um, for sure. I mean, when you get a chance to go and visit these wineries, um, whether they're old world or new world, I mean, you get to see you know, the passion that they have for, you know, what they're creating. They're very excited about you being there. Mm -hmm. There's so much, you know, history at some of these wineries and um, so much care that goes into making some of these, uh, these wines that we get a chance to enjoy. Um, and, our, and they might be life. the same grapes, right? At sure. a certain place, you know, taken from a certain vine and then transplant, but it's it's also now the the elevation that adds to the flavor, the the sun, the the, the sure the, the aspect, the sun, the you know where it's located, you know, um, dryness versus humidity. Correct. Yeah. Correct. The so amount of sunny days versus colder days. Climate's important. Sunny yeah. days are important. Rain is not good. There's all these things that you know kind of come into. Um, and to play when harvesting we're talking about wine. Yeah. harvesting time do you harvest your full moon new moon yeah we start talking about you know biodynamics and okay. you know and all the crazy not crazy farming but farming that we've done for hundreds of years which we've kind of gotten away right. from when we started using things like herbicides and pesticides and now we're kind of first full circle you know we're right. kind of going back to the way we should make wine which is just you know um, natural you know hard work and um, and with nature, with, yeah, nature. with nature, exactly. So, if, speaking of that, yeah. if I can just interject for one second, I found it very interesting when we were in Santa Million that they can't water; it all has to be natural. Correct? Correct. Yeah. Right. They can't irrigate. Correct. Uh, certain places in the world have laws and against things that they can or can't do um, in regards to making wine. So, um, yeah, I mean, in California, if we have a drought, then we can irrigate, and in places like Bordeaux, they can't. Mm. So that way, you have such a you know, fluctuation of vintages or you have really, you know, good wines and spectacular wines. And then, you know, in California, we always make good wine. Even if it's about, you know, off vintage, you know, we'll we'll make it a good wine. Certain amount of control. Yeah. How much of that is influenced with the cold water from the Pacific? Well, I mean... Is that an influencing factor? I mean, water is something, you know, you kind of want vines to struggle as much as they can. So they, um, if they struggle, they produce, uh, uh, the fruit is more intense and flavorful and um, a little, you know... Uh, uh, has more characteristic yeah. so yeah I mean water is needed irrigation is needed and definitely all that water that comes from there is important um, but uh, you know a little goes a long way so that prism of color and, and, and texture and all that stuff gets filtered right and, and it's through the vintner it's through the creator that you know it's through the choice of barrels like you know all yeah. that so then now you uh, David you're you're you get to hear the same piece like Beethoven 9 You've probably heard perform through 
many different, you know, orchestras, orchestrations, conductors. It changes. Mm -hmm. And the Beethoven 9 that you love may not have been the Beethoven 9 that was initially written or played during the time of Beethoven. Mm -hmm. You know, so now years have passed and you have like the Vintner changing little nuances are, you know, are now adding to the flavor, adding to the texture, adding to the way that we consume things. So as we move on, as we progress, hopefully we get better. And so tell us about some of your favorite um, maybe conductors or or orchestrations of maybe just starting with Beethoven. Sure. Well, that's a great question, and I think it's very fascinating because one of the terms that you used, both of you, was climate mm -hmm. and environment. Mm -hmm. So those also could be applicable towards an orchestra, too. Yeah. So the ability for which those orchestra musicians perform can be influenced based on environment and climate. Right. And because it's not a physical in terms of weather climate, it's probably more emotional, more cultural. Yeah. And to that point, that's a perfect segue to our music director, Meister Gerard Schwartz, who now has nine Emmys, 14 Grammy nominations. I have a fond memory of when he started with us about two and a half years ago. We were doing Bruckner, and it was the season-ending concert at the Kravis Center. He walked in, we had about 80 musicians, and spent close to 15 minutes working on the string section. And there was something particular that he wanted and that he could hear that the rest of the musicians couldn't quite hear. After 15 minutes of pushing and pushing the string section, he was finally able to get them to do something they didn't even think they could do. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, going back to environment, that really sparked the environment for the remaining 65 musicians that were in the orchestra to realize he's here to help guide us, he's here to help coach us and create a climate and an environment of opportunity. Mm. So within the orchestral world, it's very climate and environment related. Do you have people coming in from Europe to perform? Guest artists, we do. Yeah. How would you classify or describe their learnings, teachings, and playing, uh, you know, performance um, acumen? Like, how would you compare it to us? Mm -hmm. So, old world, new world. How would you? Well, again, I think a lot of that is driven by the conductor. Okay. So one of the advantages that we have with having Gerard Schwartz as our music director and conductor is that he has worked all over the world and worked with many of these different guest artists. So going back to relationship and environment and climate, very much like your world, Brian, um, he has a relationship with them. So there's mm -hmm. already continuity. Okay. Okay. So not much different because of the conductor. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. And, and but so it's a great question because yeah. I think if we had a conductor that had not worked with many of those guest artists, there would yeah. probably be a steep learning curve right. in terms of learning that climate, that environment. Right. And so the things like syncopation, timing, all those things, would you, you'd notice a big difference. Correct. Because they're coming from a different place, different way of learning, different way of playing, different audiences Correct. that appreciate different tempos and all sorts of things. Um, Punctuation. And I would imagine it would be similar to taking a grape from France and placing yeah. it into... Yeah, into the hands of someone. Sonoma. Napa, right, yeah, Sonoma. Yeah. What would happen to that particular what are they grape? What do? Which is, yeah, which has been done. I mean, all these varietals, all these grapes that we find in California, have, yeah. they've come from somewhere else. So yeah. a lot of those have come from France. So, so give us an idea, like, okay, a Bordeaux versus a Cab. Same grape, Cabernet Franc, but Bordeaux's from Bordeaux. France. Correct. Yeah. So when you think about the differences in styles there, when you talk about California, you talk about like yeah. fruit forward yeah. first. So yeah. you get all those kind of like juicy, big, powerful fruit notes and oak and all those other characteristics that come with it. And when you talk about old world Cabernet, like you would find in Bordeaux, you talk about those kind of like 
you know, edgier tannins, power. Uh, you talk about more, you know, things you'd find in the vineyards, mm -hmm. you know, um, garrigue and leather and tobacco mm. and all those flavors that you find. So seeing grapes grown in different areas uh, make completely different wines, so, or different flavors anyways. And, and, and there's, I don't mean to leave out all of the, you know, simpler pieces, which are also important because sometimes you want lighthearted pieces. You want some stuff that just lift you up just night, you know, just to play in the background. Sure. And that to me is your white wines. <laughs> 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 right. You know, sure. you don't have the deep tannins of the, of the, you know, barrel aging and, and all of the caves and, you know, you just have maybe, you know, uh, some, uh, they're not aged a lot. Some of them, there is some aging. There in are the some, deeper Chardonnays, right? The, correct. So yeah, the deeper Chardonnays creamier. For a long time. I've very yeah. long lived. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, yeah. But generally speaking, the things that you, most you people drink your whites, you know, and they're young and you're very young, and easy yeah. drinking. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. We need that. We yeah. need all of the we music. Do. We need all of the wines, <laughs> and um, we need all of the art, right? And uh, you guys have been wonderful. This has been a great show. I'm excited. I hope everyone ate this up because this is food for the soul <laughs> uh, in every way, shape, and form. And so, David McClymont, uh, CEO of Palm Beach Symphony, Brian Shamus, a sommelier, wine proxy, Cafe Chardonnay. And, and thanks, uh, you know, PNC has an event coming up March 22nd. It's sold out. Uh, it's got your involvement. It's for our planned giving society. Uh -huh. We're going to have a, a pretty special winery there. Uh, Arietta is the name of the producer, and the gentleman that owns it, his name is Fritz Hatton. Mm -hmm. He is a music aficionado. He loves music. So um, his actually winery is, is, was a winery born out of the passion for music. So... He's very, very excited about being here and talking about um, his wines. And he was very particular. He's like, okay, we can't talk about these wines as, you know, as they're playing, as the orchestra's playing. You know, he's very respectful, and um, I'm, I'm excited about him being here. He's He's been in the wine business for a really long time, 40 years. So this will be a real-life really melding of wine, music, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. yeah I'm Great. Excited. Well, I hope we see more of those as well. Thank you for joining us, everyone. This has been another Maximum Health Quality Living. If you missed any portion of this wonderful show, Notes and Notes, um, it's all on, on, on podcasts. And uh, you can email me, drken at drkengray.com. If you love what you hear and are looking for more happy, healthy ways for quality living, log on to velhealth.com and subscribe to receive special advanced benefits and information on the first ever holistic health app, Vel Health, coming 3 22 And see you next time.